Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard, or, in this case, the movie mausoleum. We are your entertainment necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows or terrible films, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or movies that were really, really bad. With me, as always, is Noah Houlihan. I can't talk long, I have to poop. We are doing the John Travolta, Devin Sawa vehicle, The Fanatic. (laughs) Yeah. Directed by who again? Uh, Fred Durst. Yeah, I wonder if that'll be apparent. Written by whom again? Uh, Fred Durst of Live Biscuit fame. Produced by whom again? Oh, that would be Fred Durst. Oh. Uh, you mess with Limp Biscuit? Oh, uh, who did a song for the soundtrack? Uh, that would be Limp Biscuit. Oh, <laughs> uh, who's the front man of Limp Biscuit? That would be Fred Durst. Uh, okay, that was more entertaining than the movie. Yeah, here we go. We're going to talk about the fanatic. So, not the Philly fanatic. Who has hands now. Who now has hands. Which, okay, in the aftermath of Gritty possibly punching a 13-year-old, whose idea was it, like, mascots need more hands. They need more hands. Do you, do you actually not know why that happened? I, I don't. Uh, the original creators of the Philly Fanatic, who, like, worked for the Henson Corporation, sued Philadelphia because they it's their design and they own it. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to license it to other teams. Ew. So there was a chance that the Fanatic would become the new mascot for, oh, I don't know, the Dallas Cowboys. <sighs> so t- they had to make an alteration to the Philly Fanatic to say, no, this is not your design. This is our design. And the change was hands. So this seems like a bad choice because of a very famous Disney lawsuit. Okay. Uh, a woman sued, I think this was Disneyland, actually, because she claimed a performer touched her inappropriately. Yeah. But it was a performer who was playing, I want to say, one of the three little pigs. So in the courtroom, they had to prove that he could not grope her the way she was describing with the hooves. So in the Me Too era, giving a mascot hands feels like a poor choice. Well, that's what they did. All right. Oh, man, we're going to have to talk about the movie, aren't we? Yeah, we ah, really crap. don't want to today. Uh, but here we go. Let's talk about the fanatic. First of all, how many production companies? How many production companies was it? Six? One, two, trois, quatre, cinq, six, six. And one of them is Redbox. Yeah, Redbox is, is one of the production companies for this film. Which says a lot. Yeah. And it starts with your favorite thing, an epigram. An epigram. I hate them. You are a fan. Without you, I'm nothing. Hunter Dunbar. A quote from this film said by a character of this film. Oh, I completely forgot. Oh, this is gross. Oh, I hate this movie. And uh, Spoilers. We get a female voiceover. Yes. Uh, calling LA the city of bullshitters. Yes. And she's like, I'm no different. Everyone and everything breaks down. Except for Moose. Moose is unbreakable. Yes. Moose is John Travolta. Yes. I I would also like to point out, because it's going to come up, like, a lot. 
Moose is the name of a professional wrestler. Okay. And whenever he comes out, everyone just goes, Moose! 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 And I've been th- I thought about that the entire film. Okay. <laughs> so I'm probably going to do that a few more times in this podcast. Fantastic. And then we get this little, like, chalk drawing thing. Of these quaint little chalk drawings. Right. And Was I'm not it chalk? It looks like I sidewalk. I it was like a pastel. It's probably pastel. It, it looks very sidewalk chalky. Okay. And Moose is obsessed with an actor named Hunter Dunbar. Yes. And he is going to be at a party with Hunter Dunbar because he's been invited to a premiere. Well, that is what he says. We We're open, not there yet. This we is open on him in like a merchandise store. Like a collectible, junk shoppy. Yeah. And, like, because they're in Hollywood and they sell, like, props from different movies and things like that. Like comics and memorabilia. But the first thing he says is... Hey, Aaron. Chocolate mousse. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. And I'm gonna tie this back to wrestling. Okay. There's a big, important note about professional wrestling of the moment you come out. Yes. I want you to think of... Say, I don't know, let's say The Undertaker. Everybody knows who The Undertaker is. He is an undead wizard who wrestles, okay? And everyone remembers that, like, iconic entrance. Gong! Gong! The lights go out. This very dark purple lighting happens. There's smoke. And then The Undertaker walks out very slowly. Imagine if the moment he stepped out, The Undertaker sneezed (laughs) no matter what happens past that moment the first impression is oh it's this guy who sneezes yeah so to have the first thing we hear this character say be about how he has to poop Mm kind of puts me in this weird relationship with him of like oh he's blunt and like it's such like a joke line like yeah (sighs) <sighs> and it's a whole thing of like he says poop I, I'm gonna be honest I don't remember the line exactly he might have said duty he says duty later yeah instead of poop like using like that juvenile language and stuff that's mm-hmm. like it doesn't make me go oh he's a child it makes me go oh he likes bathroom humor like right. it puts me in like a very weird Spot. Like, I don't feel like, oh, he's immature. I feel like, oh, he's a fourth grader. Mm-hmm. Weird way to set the tone of this film. Yeah, I mean, it sets a fairly accurate tone because he's characterized much... He's characterized very childishly through most of the film. Which is super problematic, and we'll get into it. Which you could super do without talking about poop. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, he could have just said, like... uh I can't talk long. My favorite cartoon is coming on. Yeah. And a style, it would have accomplished that same goal that you're talking about without making me go, ugh. I can't talk long. The ice cream man always comes at 420. Boom! <laughs> like, it's so easy. Oh, all right. So, so just for the record, unlike Sharon Tate, where it took 10 minutes for there to be dialogue, this is the first little bit of this film and I'm already annoyed as hell. So he's telling... um. The 
shopkeeper. Who yes. We get his name, but I forget who it, what it was because it's not that important. He's not that important. Um, that he's going to be at a party with Hunter Dunbar. He's been invited to a movie premiere. Yes. And he's very, very excited. And the guy kind of drops into the conversation like, oh, Hunter's going to be at the store tomorrow signing his book. And yeah, and... And Moose loses Moose freaks out because he didn't know this. He Mm -hmm. didn't know why he didn't know this. And like, he wants like an autograph so bad. And correct me if I'm wrong, because this confused the hell out of me. Uh, Moose, John Travolta, asks, is he going to be signing? Is he only going to be signing his book? And the shopkeeper says he's only signing his book. You have to buy it here. I'll be checking receipts. That's what I thought because he then buys a vest from this man mm-hmm. because it's a movie from, I want to say it was called Vampire Cops. Yeah, it's like Vampire Hunters or something. Because he wants him to sign that. So the person selling him the vest also said, Hunter Dunbar will not be signing this if you buy it. Right. He ends up selling it to him for $300 because he can't say no to Moose. Yeah. That's he, something I want to bring up later. He, like, feels bad for him because it's supposed to retail for $800. hmm He sells it for 300 and he's like, I can't really say no to you. And he doesn't get the money from Moose. He says, like, I'll need it from you by the end of the year. Because I, I thought maybe he was scamming him. Yeah. Like, to say, oh, this is 800 I'm giving it to 300 Like, because mm-hmm. that's, like, a very common scam in L.A., New York, is selling something that's worth, like... 50 bucks and saying like 500 mm-hmm. so that when someone comes back with like 250 they feel like they're getting a super deal and you're still making a bundle yeah but he's not scamming him he's like you'll owe me i actually want this 300 dollars," implying that there is other stuff this person gave to moose that he never paid for yeah so it's very strange moose immediately puts it on backwards so that, yeah, so because it's a vest, so he's wearing the back part of the vest, like, in front of him where he can see it. Yeah, so, and it says Rico. Yeah. And then Which it's... Which is uh, Hunter Dunbar's character's name. Yes. Because it's his screen-worn vest. Mm-hmm. And then we get, like, the opening credits where he's on a moped. And he takes a selfie. And he takes a selfie, and in the opening credits... Fred Durst's name shows up too many times. Uh, it says directed by Fred Durst twice. Twice! <laughs> Lest we forget. Because all these movies are essentially The Room. Which, yeah, it's very Tommy Wiseau. It's Tommy Wiseau. It's, um... Oh my god, Tyler Perry. Yeah. A lot of auteurs. Our next movie is Rambo Last Blood, and I feel like it's gonna be the same thing with Which Sylvester Stallone. Written by Sylvester Stallone. Uh, we'll see, but uh, we got to get through this one first. Uh, my next note is, hey, Devin Sawa's in this movie. Yes, because he comes. It comes up as uh, in the credits because he's clearly in it. Um, so next is him going to the party, right? No, we see his. Um, we see him in his like sad little apartment. Yes, and he has a bunch of like merch and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's what someone who has never met a functioning nerd thinks a nerd's house looks like. Yeah, kind of. Like, I immediately start thinking I've seen people like this at conventions. Yeah. 
So I'm kind of like, ooh, this is going to be a reflection of like the plus two comedy audience I see at, at shows and stuff like that. And then and now you're going to apologize for that. Yeah, and I was like, ooh, I really wish I never saw that because, man, this gets super insulting. And, like, Moose is rehearsing in the mirror what he'll say to Hunter. Yes. He's practicing saying, like, oh, you like my shirt, it's one of a kind. Yeah, like, he's also planning for Hunter to, like, compliment him and, like, want to befriend him. Yeah, we basically, we get, like, a minute of him awkwardly like screwing up a practice conversation in the mirror, followed by him going, Hi, Hunter. <laughs> this is a one and only shirt. But I can tell you where to get it. But it, there won't be any there. He's gonna love me. He's gonna love me. And, like, I've known a lot of people who have practiced what they're gonna say to a celebrity when, like, they're gonna go to a convention and they know they're gonna meet them. Mm-hmm. But they usually don't assume that person's going to immediately adore them. Like, I get, like, rehearsing it if you're nervous or anxious. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do that. Be because he practices something like, oh, you want to be friends? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do, do you remember when you used to, and this is dating us a little bit, when you used to call your friends' houses, did you ever, like, kind of practice what you were going to say in case mom or dad picked up? Yeah. Like, hello, is, is Josh there? Hi, this is Laura. May I please speak to Jessica? Mm-hmm. Like, that, and I, like, practiced that because I didn't want my I, friend's parents to think I was, like, a clown. Yeah, and, uh, like, this is kind of dating us because now you just call their direct cell phone. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about that. But, like, I remember in high school uh, a, a friend of mine saying that that was a phobia for them. Like, they, they actually had the name of the phobia of you calling a phone number and having someone else pick up. It's actually a really common phobia among uh, millennials and Gen Z. That makes sense. Uh, especially because as we are more and more into online communication. Yeah. People are used to kind of having the time to find their words. Yeah. In that, a way that they don't get to in the immediacy of a phone conversation. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so in any case. Ugh. As, as we relate with this man. Yeah, I, I feel like we keep trying to not talk about the movie. Yeah. Uh, he And it, we get the female voiceover again. Yes. And she says, uh, I put some of the blame on myself. I just wanted to be a good friend. So this good friend that is getting him into this party, because she is like a paparazzo. Yeah. And... She goes up to him and says, did you bring the bolt cutters? Did you bring the cutters? She doesn't say bolt first. Oh, did you bring the cutters? Because the plan is actually, he's not invited. They're going to cut through a fence. And break in. And break him in. But Moose has brought a pair of scissors. Mm-hmm. So they're going to hop the fence. Yeah, and she shows him how to hop the fence. Yeah. That's important that she shows him how to hop the fence. Mm-hmm. And he falls, takes a back bump. Yeah. And into some garbage. Into some garbage, and then makes his way to the party. The first person he sees is a bartender, and he tries to order a strawberry milkshake. Yes. Gotta get you a drink. Yeah, just have a strawberry milkshake with real ice cream, please. Yeah, we don't we don't have milkshakes, but I can make you a cocktail or pour you a soda. And I, I mean, I laughed a little bit at this because, like, 
even the milkshake-like drinks, you can always tell when, like, can I have a mudslide? And you see the bartender, like, I hate you. Yeah. So, like, it and it sets him up as a naive. Yeah. We want him, we want to see that he is innocent and childlike. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be feeling for him at this moment. He's a fish out of water. Right. He may have broken into this party, but you get the impression that he doesn't totally understand that he's broken into the party. Right. Uh, but there's also this moment where he asks the bartender, he goes, can I ask you a question? Which is a very innocent thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Charles Dunbar here? Is Hunter Dunbar I'm here? Sorry. Charles Dunbar is a, person, a friend of ours. <laughs> is a person we know. And I would like to formally apologize to Charles for even the implication that he was anywhere near this film. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, bud. Charles is a gifted scholar about mythology <laughs> and fiction. And this movie... Not. Is not, not. I apologize a million times over. Uh, is Hunter Dunbar here? And the bartender, like, says, who? Or he is, like, I don't confused. know who that is. And, like, he asks him again, is Hunter Dunbar here? And as the bartender is giving an answer, he just rudely walks away. He also bobs for meatballs at one point, which made me die a little bit. Yeah, so, like, immediately any goodwill I have towards him is immediately turned into, like, ah, oh, come on. Like, it's not, and it's not the first, it's the first time, but not the last time the movie goes too gross. Yeah. Like, or not too gross, too far in trying to establish that Moose doesn't know social norms. If they'd had him, instead of, like, picking it up by the toothpick, grab, like, a couple with his hand. Yeah. Which is a thing that a child would do, or, you know, a less socially adept person. Mm Mm-hmm. But even little kids don't really usually go at a plate of food like that. Face first. Yes. They grab with their hands. Because, like, there are there are times where John Travolta plays Moose as if he is autistic. There are also times where he plays Moose as if he is an alien. Yeah. And, and he's like, like, I don't understand these human ways. Yeah, and, like, Travolta did say he played Moose as being on the spectrum. And I think... John Travolta should apologize to the autism community. Yeah. He sh- no, he should apologize to everyone. Yeah. Especially but- the autism com- community, but I also deserve an apology. <laughs> and anyone who saw this film. <laughs> so there are lots of people there. We see, like, you know, a lot of hot people. It's an L.A. party. So we see all of these hot people. It's like this kind of to emphasize how fish out of water Moose yeah. is because it's Moose is dressed like he's going to Comic Con, not like a cosplayer, but like cargo shorts and like a themed shirt. And everyone else is like dressed in cocktail attire and yes. is hot. Yes, it's LA. And he walks up to a lovely woman named Amanda and he says, Excuse me, Amanda. And we get the impression immediately she is an actress, she has worked with Hunter Dunbar before. So he. Uh, knows who Amanda is and accosts her. Another, the woman Amanda is standing with compliments his shirt mm-hmm. and he says it's one of a kind and he kind of bothers these two women for a little bit and asks Amanda for an autograph. Yes. While also giving her unsolicited career advice. I'm a really big fan of yours, Amanda. I really think your work is solid and minutes in today's and I think you're really good in Kill or Be Killed. You should do more horror pictures, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. You're a great final girl. You certainly know my work. <laughs> yeah. And as a woman who 
goes to these shows, I sympathize so hard with Amanda here when she just starts to shut down. Yeah, like she... She doesn't get mean. She just shut... You watch her die. It's it's the moment where a celebrity goes from, I'm at a party talking to a friend, to I am now talking to a fan. Yeah. I have to put the wall up, and I have to like maintain distance but eye contact and and like satisfy this person so they go away yeah and like i guess you could like i could see why a person would be like oh that's sad that he can't like talk to this person like they're a person Mm -hmm. but moose cannot talk to this person like they're a person yeah like he only talks to this person as someone who delivers what they want to them Mm-hmm. Like it's transactional. It, like the advice he's giving of you should do more horror movies is not you're good in them and that'll be good for your career. It's I want to see more horror movies with you in them. Right. So like it's very awkward. He gets thrown out. He yep. starts yelling towards his friend mm-hmm. who is there at the party as a photographer. Yeah. And, and she's kind of mortified and kind of just like. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to pretend like I don't know you. Because she's like at work. Yeah, because she's a photographer. Like, she's taking, like... I don't know what the pictures are. If it's just, like, this is, like, a magazine's party. So the magazine has hired her to be like, Look who was here at the Maxim Gala. I mean, premieres have photographers. Was so it, she, it was a movie premiere. Excuse me. Yeah, so, like, she is probably there... As a freelancer, but as a freelancer who has an established reputation. Mm-hmm. So she's there on the clock. Um, and the premiere probably doesn't know, like, she's... Because she she also breaks in. She's a paparazzo. But because she has a, she's got a camera and probably a press credential somewhere, mm-hmm. um, they probably just let her go. Yeah. Because she's also not bothering anybody no she knows what the hell she's doing because nobody cares about like the bartender's gonna give moose a drink until he starts bothering people yeah because that's the thing at these parties i have maybe gone to some parties i was not expressly air quotes invited to Mm -hmm. as have i um with me uh we it was the same night same parties oh i'm thinking of a few (laughs) so i'm thinking of the same party repeatedly to the point where i think i'm now invited um it's like an annual party at one of the conventions we go to. Yes, yeah. That I'm pretty sure at this point they just say we're invited to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just don't be a pain and you be nice to people and you're not going to get thrown out most of the time. Yeah. Like... I've been thrown out. <laughs> I also have a different... I have a different um, persona. <laughs> in that I'm a woman. I was going to say, gender? Gender, yeah. <laughs> you have a different gender than me? Um, at the kind of circles we move in, presenting mm-hmm. as female tends to get you, um, yeah. I, I ignored w- if you don't have an invite because they assume you have a reason to be there. Yeah. I, I was at a party drinking with, uh, Duke Nukem, John St. John, and uh, I was invited there by Trailer Drake. This is me name dropping. And I was invited there by Trailer Drake. I was not at this party. And, uh, I was not at this weekend. Yeah. This was, this was, a, an Oticon. And, uh, they, uh, 
we were partying. It was great. And they were like, why don't you go get a drink? I was like, oh, okay. I went up to the bar and I got a drink. And the moment I got a drink, I turned around and someone walked up to me and said, why isn't your badge vertical? And I was like, what? And it was like, this is for vertical badges only. I was like, okay. And I had to put my drink down and I had to leave. Oh my God. I was like, guys, <laughs> we're friends. I swear. Oof. Yeah. So, but I, I was trying to tell John St. John that he needs to do more horror movies. And then I was trying to get him to sign. That's a joke. <laughs> yeah, like, but Leah passes. And in this circle, it's not because Leah is female. Mm. It's because Leah is able to present as someone who has a reason to be there. Yeah, she's there the same reason the bartenders are there. And like, even as a paparazzo, she might not have been strictly speaking invited to the party, but she's not doing anything that's bothering people. Because mm-hmm. even even though she's a paparazzi, uh, paparazzi member, uh, actors expect photographers to be at um, premieres. Yeah. Like, it's a public place. It's not even a place actors get upset that someone's there. Yeah, it's part of what it is. Yeah, that's that's the job. It's there. You're there to be seen, so. Uh, it doesn't go very well, and they have a fight back at his apartment. Yeah, it's. I think it's the next day. It's the next day. Uh, she Moose is really upset. They have an argument. Moose blows on his thumb mm-hmm. and gives her the finger and then she just kind of like walks into his fridge and grabs something and then does the uh guardians Guardians of of the the galaxy galaxy cranking up to give him the finger and then moose goes oh my god that was hilarious and immediately they're friends again yep uh i'm gonna save this to the end but remember that because this really bothers me okay and the next thing we see is moose like Crimping and putting on a fake mustache because his job is that he is a street performer on the, uh, like, on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, outside of what is the, the theater? Grauman's Chinese Theater. Yes. He's, like, on the Walk of Fame. Yes. And he is a British Bobby. Yes, which I don't know why you would want to get your picture with a British Bobby. Yeah, it doesn't look like business is very good. No, because you're not a character. Yeah, and you're not a celebrity. Like, it's one thing for people who are either Olaf or Elmo mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you also see the people who dress up as, like, Marilyn Monroe or James Dean. Mm-hmm. Because they're fitting in with, like, the native. Yes. Like, this is the setting. Mm-hmm. We are on the Walk of Fame. I'm Marilyn Monroe. Take your picture with me. Yeah. Instead, he's a British Bobby, and he's just yelling, like, weird British phrases. Yes. He's just like, ooh, crumpets, ooh, oh, go, go to Big Ben. <laughs> London Bridge is right over there. It's over. The Beatles are here. The Beatles are here. And, and then we see his competition, and it's a cocky street magician called Todd the God. Todd the God. Who is doing, like, bloody illusions. Yes, he ends up, he drives a nail through your... His septum. septum. That, that, that's the part of your nose that separates your nostrils. Yeah. 
And while this is happening, another guy is pickpocketing everybody. Yes. And uh, they're a team. Yep, they're in cahoots. But because he's the one taking all the risk and Todd the God is just pretending to put stuff in his nose, uh, he wants more of the money and then they have a falling out. Yeah. And Todd tries to get Moose to take up his job of pickpocketing people. Yeah. Which Moose is too good and moral to do. Yes. This is very confusing. (laughs) I mean... Because we're establishing him as moral here. Yeah. But Um, he knows stealing is wrong. Yes, so it's going to get really confusing later. Um, So then he remembers to go to the comic book store and the shopkeep jams him into the line in front of other people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they're friends. And we see Hunter autographing a woman's book. And... Devin Sawa does a very good job in this scene of selling actor who is already signed 60 books today. Yeah. He's got that, like, very exhausted charm. Yeah, like, oh, who am I making this out to? All right, yeah. Mm. Like, he's nice, but he's really selling the tired. Yeah. Was there not hand sanitizer there? Because I was looking for it. I didn't. Because that is such, like, an autograph farm thing. Is like the giant industrial sized jug jug of hand sanitizer. Because we, we always joke about this when we met, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, from Gotham. Ben McKenzie. We bet, yeah, he played Commissioner Gordon in, or eventual Commissioner Gordon in Gotham. And it was his first convention ever. Mm-hmm. And when we met him, he immediately shook our hands. And I went, ooh, this is your first convention, isn't it? And he went, yeah, why? And I was like, you're going to want to, I was like, you want to switch to fist bumps. He was like, really? I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> like, I don't mean to be weird. Matter of fact, many people will be weirder to you, I'm sure. But like, just stay safe, bro. Yeah. And <laughs> I I think we ruined that convention for him two separate times. Yes. Well, I, no, I saved him. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. I, How did I ruin him by saving his life? Oh, God, I wonder what going to a convention with, like, coronavirus it's, being a... Uh, it's going to oh, be terrible. It's going to be, be terrible. Fast. The, like, I almost want to go to a convention and... Cause it's and get coronavirus? No, not really. Uh, we then see what I can only compare to, if you've seen the movie Wayne's World, the Dreamweaver sequence. Yes, that's exactly what this is. Um, Where Moose sees Hunter bathed in silver light... And he smiles at Moose and he holds out a book. Yeah, and Moose, like, interprets this as him being beckoned. Yes. Towards Hunter Dunbar. And we get to the point where Moose is in front of the line. Moose is the next person. Mm -hmm. He doesn't push past people. Yeah. And the shop owner stops uh, Hunter and says, like, there's a woman named Brenda who needs to speak with him. And consoles Moose that Hunter's gonna... Hunter's gonna sign his thing. Don't worry. Yes. And Hunter goes out to his car, and Brenda turns out to be his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's supposed to be Hunter's night with his son. But he forgot. But he forgot. Brenda's going on a date. Mm-hmm. And I find this kind of interesting and weird, because I'm like, Hunter's technically, like, working? Yeah. And making money? So I'd be like, okay, well, I'll go, I can reschedule my date, but your child support's going up again. Yeah, and, like... Hunter doesn't come off as, like, a super bad person here. He's like, yeah. I forgot, but I'm doing this, and I really don't want him here. Like, I don't want my son to deal with these people. Yeah. 
And which is like completely understandable. Yeah, because, you know, you can't really guarantee that fans aren't going to be inappropriate to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this situation, if Hunter Dunbar is like, was a heartthrob at one point, female fans may be very inappropriate to him. And like, he doesn't yeah. really want his fairly young son seeing like girls being like, sign my boobs. Mm-hmm. And uh... I'm trying to keep like, because. I don't want the narrative that only male fans are bad. Right. Female fans are often also very inappropriate. Yes. Very true. Um, I was writing a paper on this, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, it, we're in a weird point where we kind of know both sides of this. Yeah. Obviously not, like, to Hunter Dunbar levels. Right. But there are times where I've been waiting in line to get an autograph, and then there have been times where... I've been in an interaction with someone who likes my work who has made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Like th- th- this had, yeah, we, we've seen both sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, and like the way Hunter acts here is not really wrong. Yeah. The way Moose acts here is wrong. He yes. runs after him and like starts talking to him while he's still talking to his wife. Yes. So trying to interrupt the conversation with his ex-wife about, like, custody of their child. Yeah, like, this is a very serious thing. And Hunter says, like, I'm not doing any more signing. Like, he ends the event. Yeah. To, to go be a dad. And Moose which, goes, like, I'm on your side. Which is, like, creepy. Because you're like, yeah. oh, you don't really... We've all had this happen where, like, we've had a conversation we didn't want to have in public in public. Mm-hmm. But you don't really want another person to then chime in on the conversation. Yeah, to try to help. <laughs> yeah, like, to chime in on the conversation. Uh, so, I, I believe this is the first time Hunter, like, threatens him. Where he's just like, if you want, to, if you want me to sign, it's going to be with my knuckles across your face. It's like, yeah. ah, badass line. Real badass line. Moose is, like, devastated now, though. Yeah, He's Moose really sad because he didn't get a signature. This is the second night in a row now. He didn't get an autograph, but almost mm-hmm. did. Yeah. We get back to Moose and Leah talking in the apartment again. The next scene is Moose and Leah, like, talking about... He asks her how she knows where celebrities live, because she's a paparazzi photographer. And he so he gets shown this app. The Star Map app. The Star Map app. And there's, like, this nice, nice, air quote, scene where... He calls her to thank her for showing him this app because he's using it to look at houses. For what? The Star Map app is awesome! It's so awesome! Ben Affleck's house? I saw his house, it's so big! Did you know it has two pools? It, 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 it changed Franco, that's 15 minutes away from me. 15 minutes, he's practically my neighbor. And Jay, Jamie Lee Curtis, her yard is so big, it's so big, Leah. And like, kind of. Using that app in a wholesome way. Yeah, where you're like, oh, look at their... He's using it as if he is watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yeah, and this is a real app. It is. It's Star Maps app. Okay. To find celebrity homes. It, I, I think this is gross. I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it either. Oh, and there's apparently something called StarMap.com. 
I will not be clicking any of these links. Yeah, like, that stuff is gross, but, like, in the same way, like, I used to watch Cribs. And to me, Cribs is different. I know it's different, but, like, at this moment, he is satisfying the same enjoyment type by that you would get from Cribs. Yeah, and I remember, Because he like, hasn't crossed any lines yet. And, like, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. Right. I mean, in a way, it's like when your friend buys a house and you look at it on Zillow, mm-hmm. even though they yeah. haven't moved in yet. Yeah, he's kind of just doing that. But then, he goes to Hunter Dunbar's house. He writes a letter and approaches the house. Hunter is coming back from a jog with his son, who's, his son's like riding his bike while Hunter jogs. It's very, yeah. like, dad-ish. It's very punch-out. It also, it also kind of justifies Hunter's reaction. Yeah. Because Hunter is immediately nuclear. Yeah. He, he's like, he sends his son quickly inside, and Moose is like, he calls his son by name. I forget the son's name already. Yeah. But say it's like... They, they call him like Buddy and Pal a lot in this film, so his name does not come up a lot. But let's say his name is Michael, because that's always the like boy name I go to. Mm-hmm. Moose essentially goes, hi, Michael. Bye, Michael. So oh, immediately yeah. uses the kid's name. Which, if there's been a lot of discussion about like celebrities who post pictures of their children on the internet versus mm-hmm. celebrities who do not. Because yeah. there are a lot of celebrities who won't post their children's faces on the internet. Mm-hmm. Because I think of con- it's wise. I think it is too. Um, because of consent issues. If I had a kid, I'm not sure how much I would post them on the internet. Yeah. Frankly. Um, so, Hunter is already on the defensive. This guy has now spoken to his son. He's the same guy who accosted him the previous evening. Mm-hmm. So, Hunter refuses the letters and tells Moose he doesn't accept the letters. And, like... He's like, do you want trouble? And Moose is like, I don't want trouble. And Hunter's like, then you have to go. Well, then he asks again for an autograph. Yes. And uh, Hunter's like, you want an autograph? I'll give you an autograph. And he takes the pen and he stabs him in the heart with it. (laughs) And then, like, writes his name across Moose's chest. Yeah, very, like, hard. Now, I think what Fred Durst is trying to do here yeah. This this is like my idea of like him attempting to write symbolism. Yeah. Moose now has the word hunter across his chest. Mm-hmm. And he's preying on this celebrity trying to get what he wants out of it. Ugh. I think this is an attempt by Fred Durst to do sim- to do symbolic imagery. Oh. But <laughs> he writes Hunter in a blue pen across his blue shirt. Yeah. So you only kind of see it when he stands the right way. Which is also really stupid because Moose has like multiple Sharpies. Yeah. In the previous scene. <laughs> like the whole thing is that he's prepared for him to sign anything. And yeah. this is what happens. And, well, I guess he was planning for him to sign the vest, yeah. which is black. But you still wouldn't use a blue ball still wouldn't use for blue. that. You would use the silver sharpie. Oh, I mean, it was a marker. Oh. It was definitely a marker. You would still use, like, a silver one. And I think it was supposed to also represent how heart-wrenching it is that Hunter's being mean to him. That's why mm-hmm. he's stabbed in the heart. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, wow, Fred Durst, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, so we get another Bubby scene. And it's Todd the God in the pickpocket, and they bother Moose in the bathroom and assault him. Yes. They're very high. They're the 
uh, chaotic evil version of the Letterkenny skids? Yes, yes they are. So fucking gay. Oh, hey, oh, don't arrest me, officer. It wasn't me. No, I swear. I swear I didn't even know she was still in high school. He didn't. <laughs> oh, did you do what it most, huh? Did you make some serious money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was pretty slow. Oh, slow, huh? You, you, you call that slow? See, I, I, I call that ball a little fake blood, a little movie magic. You like movies, don't you, move? That's what's up. And that, like, the Letterkenny skids are like, we're gonna make a recreational GHB that's green so no one gets raped. And these guys are like, we're gonna beat up an autistic man in a bathroom. Yeah, and, like, they they, they pretend to make him, like, fillet him. Yeah. <laughs> like, they grab his head and push it to his crotch. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, then, like, the kind security guard shows up. Yeah. Calls them degenerates right yeah, after I made yeah. the Leonard Kenny Get note. these degens out of here. Degens from up country. And says something to him like, to Moose along the lines of like, why do you let them push you around? You have to stand up for yourself. You have to stand up for yourself. They're setting stuff up for later. Uh, so what, what is the next scene? I have something I have to say later, but remember all this. The next thing we get is Battletoad stock music and a female voiceover over... A shot of Hollywood Hills. That's right. I was like, this is the damn Battletoads music again. And it was over the same thing it was over. It was like, oh, it's Sharon Tate again. So many of these movies have similar elements. I'm like, is there just like a how to write bad movies guide somewhere? <laughs> I guess. Because I need it. <laughs> I'm going to try to put all those clips together. Oh. The, the, the Battletoads theme. The Sharon Tate version. And the Fanatic version. I have no idea why Moose would go back to that man's house. Yeah, so that'll be a, a special feature on the Stay Doom podcast. <laughs> yeah, listening to all of that. So then uh, we're back at the house. We're back at Hunter's house. And Moose climbs over the fence like Leah taught him. Yes, because that's what he had learned. And then a woman sees him and a woman drives him off holding like an award. Yeah, she comes out with like an Emmy or something. Yeah, it's like... It wasn't like, it's not a copywritten award. It was just a statue. Yeah, it's like... But she comes out like with whatever she was... The first thing she could grab. Yeah. That was heavy enough to hurt somebody. Um, And he runs away scared. Yeah, but drops the letter. Yes. So hopefully Hunter will get this. And he we do explain what the letter was saying. And it's like an apology mm-hmm. that then ends with, please sign my vest. Yeah. So then Leah is like sitting at a cafe. Because mm-hmm. we're back on the strip. I keep saying the strip like it's Vegas. We're back on Sunset. Yeah. And Leah is like sitting in a cafe with her camera. Trying to get the starlet and her boyfriend coming out of a cafe. Yes. I, I do want to mention this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he gets bullied by the uh, the the skids. Yeah. We do get another scene of him performing. Yes. And someone actually talks to him. And he immediately breaks character and is like, yeah, people think I'm actually from London for some reason. Oh. Uh, and then he also says, don't go near Todd. He's full of duty. Yeah. And this is, again, a, like, for him not to swear means that someone in his life at some point said, don't swear, swearing is wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So someone taught him right from wrong. Yeah. Remember that, guys. So Leah finds out that Moose used the app to get to Hunter's house. And she's horrified and alarmed and, and like yells at him. Yeah. And then she calls him a stalker. And that word triggers him like he's Michael J. Fox being called the chicken. Yeah, like she freaks out. And I think it's hilarious that a paparazzi photographer is calling someone else an immoral stalker. I think that's the point. Um, It's also like, she's really stupid. Like, what did she think was going to happen? Yeah. She says something like, I thought you would think it was cool. But no, of course this is what's going to happen. So then, like, Todd accosts Moose and offers to teach him how to hustle. Mm -hmm. And... When Moose says no, Todd gets angry and tells Moose, like, oh, you don't have the balls to get what you want. Yes. And Moose freaks out and... Strangles him. Choked, like, chokes him. Yeah. And hopes Freddy Krueger gets him. Yes. I have a few things I have to say right now. Yeah. One, did you know that on Sunset Boulevard, a Freddy Krueger got arrested for having actual claw hands? No, I did not know that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite just little known facts. Is like this Freddy Krueger who had been there like a while, one day just had a bad day and stabbed someone with his claw hands. Oh, okay. He wasn't arrested for having them. He was arrested for using them. For using them. And then and everyone's reaction was like, he's been here forever. It's like, he's been here forever with claw hands? Just wanted to throw that in there. Two, did you realize that these scenes are out of order? No. Because we get the scene where the skids break up, mm-hmm. and then we oh, get the yeah. scene where the they're together, together, and then we get the scene where he uh, stands up for himself against them, or against the the one because the other one is gone. Right, you're right. This is, that whole sequence is out of order. And then, like the janitor appears, or t- or security guard. I don't know what he is. Um. Yeah, the security guard appears and tells Moose like. Oh, I'm really proud of you. Yes. I'm really proud of you for committing an act of violence. Yes, because we're setting this up again. That, like, Moose learns new skills and then uses them inappropriately. And, like, this is when I'm like, oh, there's a really bad moral here about, like, don't be nice to people who are weird. Yeah, there is a theme of, like, be careful what you teach to an autistic person. Yeah, there's a lot of really problematic attitudes toward autism in this film it's yeah it's a huge issue so then we see the woman that scared um that scared moose off and she's talking to hunter and she's like i scared off a man today and hunter's like ah yeah whatever and then he looks at her and realizes she's like crying and shaking she's scared you know a creepy guy was in her backyard or it was Mm. in the backyard of the place she works and hunter like pulls her into his arms and holds her and he kisses her. Yes. And she pulls away and says, we can't do that anymore. Yeah, well, this this needs to stop. And we get the impression that she's the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. So, like... She, he he will, in a later scene, call, him, call her the mate. Okay. Because he compliments her work and says, like, you're doing a great job around here. Yeah. Um, so, this is, like, a very strange scene. Yes. That exists to set up the ending poorly. Yes, but like, one thing I do want to point out now, this is now the third account of this man interrupting Hunter's life. He is not going to call the police. 
and he is not going to set up security cameras. Hunter goes to the gardener and says, like, Dora saw someone in the yard. And the gardener's like, I didn't see anyone. And Hunter was like, yeah, it's fine. Just let me know if you do. And the gardener's like, hey, it's raining. Can I leave? And Hunter's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hunter's a good guy, I guess. <laughs> like, we established that Hunter is kind to the people who work for him. Yes. Because we do need to be, like, we do need to sympathize with Hunter for the plot to work. Right. So we need to see him be nice to everyone who's not Moose or his ex-wife, essentially. So then Hunter is on a walk with his son and Moose is in the yard again. Yes. Moose is like hiding in the bushes. Well, yeah, I guess this is when this happens. Yeah. Yeah, because this is super quick after the last scene. So Dora, the housekeeper, finds the letter in the yard that Moose dropped and she goes to pick it up. Kind of like in a what's this. Yeah. Because it's brightly colored. Yeah. Also in that I'm a maid and there's garbage on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> kind of way. And she's carrying like a, one of those like static dusters mm-hmm. that they used to sell in infomercials. And Moose runs out and she hits him with the duster, but it's not like a, it's not an effective weapon. Yeah. It's not like it's an award. And he pushes her. And she falls backwards and cracks her head in a stone fountain. Yes. And dies instantly. We believe. Her eyes are wide open. Yeah. And she's just... I mean, she could be unconscious. Yeah. Uh, but her no- there's blood, at, like, out of her nose. Mm-hmm. And Moose immediately goes... Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Are you okay? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's a nosebleed. That that's bad. That's bad. I had a nosebleed. It wasn't fun. But you you fix it. You take paper towels and you put it up your nose like And then Wind the wind chimes. He yeah, he's distracted by wind chimes. And then he just goes into Hunter's house and leaves her there. Yeah. We est- I, I know we established that he is autistic. Mm-hmm. But I think as someone who has watched many horror movies, seeing someone hit their head like that and then have blood come out their nose, his response would not be, oh, bloody nose. Yeah. It Like, he should have that, th- at least the knowledge to be like, this is a serious injury. Yeah. But he just forgets. Yeah, like... It would make more sense. They could have made this whole moment made sense. Make sense if he like tried to help, mm-hmm. failed, and she dies, and he like has blood in his hands and he goes inside to wash his hands. Because like that would make so much more sense. And he looks and goes, "Oh no!" and like goes in to wash his hands because it would occur to him that he should wash up. Yeah. Or, or, like, even if it's that, like, oh, let me move you. Oh, now I'm dirty. Or, like, something like that. Or, like, it would make a little bit more sense if he just ran away at this point. Yeah. To be like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And then he just ran away. But instead, it just, like, he sees wind chimes, and then it turns off. Yeah. And he just goes inside and starts messing with Hunter's house. Yeah, he, like, looks at... Hunter's medicine, plays with his stuff, 
sniffs and then brushes his teeth with what might be Hunter's toothbrush. Or might be his son's. And then Moose like to, then just starts watching Hunter's home movies. Yeah. So we get like a home movie of Hunter and Brenda, who when was they were at that together. point pregnant. Yeah. Not only when they were together, but like before his son was born. Mm-hmm. So like his wife is pregnant and he's like talking about how beautiful she is. So like establishing that when they were together, Hunter loved his wife. Yeah. This reminds me of a, a better film uh, called One Hour Photo. Oh, yeah. There's a scene where it's a Robin Williams movie. And basically, he becomes obsessed with this family. Yes. Because he's always developing their pictures. So he almost feels like he's this kid's uncle. Yeah, because, because he's watched the kid grow he's up. watched this kid grow through these photos. And there's a scene in that film where, like, he goes through their house and, like, kind of eats their food and uses their toilet. And in the end, the family come home, comes home and catches them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, hi, Uncle Saul. And then it's a dream sequence. It's amazing to me that I can think about one hour photo and there's not a single moment in that movie where I'd be like, oh, he's autistic. He's just a believable person to have like some sort of obsession disorder. Mm -hmm. It's a really weird choice to have made this character autistic. It's not. I'm going to say it's not a weird choice to have put this character on the autism spectrum. I'm saying he is played... I mean, I'm sure you could probably, if you re- we rewatched one hour photo and looked at symptoms, you could probably make an argument that Robin Williams' character is on the autism spectrum. Robin Williams doesn't play him as a cartoon. Yes. That's the problem, is John Travolta plays him as a cartoon. Yeah, this is one of those moments where is he's Is this when an- we're going to get into this for real now? I, I, I feel like there's still so much more. Okay, because there's a comparison we need to make here mm-hmm. that we discussed earlier. That needs to get said, but I wasn't yeah, sure. Let's was let's time. get all the evidence okay. out. But this is one of the moments where he's playing him as an alien. So then, like, Hunter comes home and Moose is hiding in the house because Moose like mm-hmm. is caught unaware and doesn't leave in time. Hunter's on the phone with his agent and says, "Like, oh, I can't do this movie. I'd be away from my kid too much." Yes, because Hunter's a good person. Yeah, and a good father. Uh, we see that Danny. Danny is the child's name. Yes. Uh, Danny has come back with Hunter. And Hunter is, like, teaching his son how to properly brush his teeth Mm -hmm. with the toothbrush that we just saw Moose use. Yeah. And, like, there's a couple, like, cute little moments of, like, oh, I dropped your toothbrush on the floor the other day. Like, stuff a dad would say to, like, tease his son of, like, oh, yeah, I I dropped your toothbrush on the ground the other day. Ha, 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 ha. Mm -hmm. You got to take care of your teeth because that's what a man does, son. Yeah, like, like, a lot of, like, real... Hardcore dadding is yeah. happening here. Like, you know, you got to be a man, you know? <laughs> yeah, like reading his kid a story and mm-hmm. like, we are establishing that Hunter is a good father. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moose is like under his, is hiding under the kid's bed. Yeah. Which is also Limp Biscuit trying to do, or Fred Durst trying to do symbolism of Moose is the monster under the kid's bed. Yeah. <sighs> Man, he can really hit those nails on top of the head. No, oh, kind of like Todd. <laughs> He's got a symbolism sledgehammer. Um. So then, like Hunter takes a sleeping pill and like drinks with it. So he's like crashed out in the living room, mm-hmm. not he, his bed. He drinks two IPAs. <laughs> so he's not. So he's drinking with it, but he's also not drinking like 
problematically heavily. Yeah, he didn't drink, like, a bottle of vodka. Yeah, you don't see, like, a half-full bottle of scotch next to him. Yeah. He's drinking two craft beers. Mm-hmm. And watching TV, and he takes a sleeping pill, and he crashes on the, the, the chair. This leads to Moose, like, very nicely tucking him in. Mm-hmm. But then Moose has a tick where he rubs his ear and smells it. Mm-hmm. He rubs Hunter's ear and smells it. It's like, well, that's strange. Then they take like a selfie together. They take a selfie together implies that Hunter is part of it. Um, Moose takes a selfie with Hunter's unconscious body. Yes. And then takes another one where he's kissing his forehead. Yeah. And like, this is just, he's got to know that's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I can't possibly believe like, oh, you know, like say duty instead of saying shit. You know, you don't steal from people, and it's okay to kiss people who are unconscious. No, what the hell are you talking about? So, like, and when he's taking the selfie, Moose drops his phone on Hunter's chest. Mm-hmm. And Hunter, like, stirs but doesn't wake up. So then we get this, like, flashback of Moose watching Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. while his mom, like, brings home a date. Yeah. Or his mom might be a sex worker. Mm-hmm. It's not really made clear. Yeah. The Rorschach origin story. Oh, oh is that where you went? To Rorschach? Of the... Uh, of Watchmen? Yeah. I, I went Cable Guy. Okay. This is like, You're this, probably a little closer. This is straight up Cable Guy. <laughs> but that like, you know, the mother is a sex worker and says like, don't mind my son. Yeah, he's in front of the TV. It's fine. Yeah. The next morning, an alarm goes off, and it's Moose's alarm. Is it Moose's alarm, or is it Hunter's? It's Moose's, because he's in Hunter's living room still. Yeah, he yeah he just goes to sleep next to Hunter. He's like, oh, I should get going. Yeah, and then he leaves. And this is when we get a scene with Hunter and his kid in the car. Yeah, Hunter then wakes up, gets his kid, and they get in the car, and Hunter's like, hey! You like Limp Biscuit? He's like, oh, this was a... Like, a Limp Biscuit song comes on, and he's like, oh, this was my jam. No, no, no. He puts in a CD. He's like, hey, I have Limp Biscuit. You want to listen to some Limp Biscuit? He talks about how much he loved this song when he was his when he was young, etc., etc. And then there's just, like, a few moments of them in the car listening to Limp Biscuit. Yep. Because I start trying, I start waving my arms in an attempt to get the attention of the movie back. Like, guys, we're still filming. So then, like, Moose is, like wandering down the road and hunter nearly hits him yeah he's like i can't I, maybe he's trying to scare him but he like drives really fast up to him and then slams the bricks yeah and like tells him like you have to get out of this neighborhood and screams at him and like in front of his kid but his kid's in the car listening to limp biscuit so i guess it's fine and hunter calls moose a stalker which is very important yeah and he turns around and says i am not a stalker and then that scene's over. Yep. No, you idiot. Say you're never coming to this neighborhood again. Say it. Say it. Never say it. I'll never come back here. God damn right you'll never come back here. Never. Go back where you came from, you stalker. I am not a stalker! <laughs> we cut away. And we're back in... Uh, Moose and Leah's house. 
Or Moose's apartment, and he's with Leah again. Because Leah confronts him, because Moose posted the selfie of his crime Mm -hmm. on his social media. Yes. This is when I wonder about everyone else Moose knows. Yeah, like, I guess, like, you would have to believe that he has no Twitter followers. And no Facebook friends. They don't mention a specific social media. Yeah, that he, he has posted and didn't use a hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, if if Hunter Dunbar is that popular, people just go on and search, like, the name of a celebrity that they like and see what pops up. So the fact that no one ever sees this other than this girl is insane. And theoretically, a manager or agent would be doing it fairly frequently. Yes, to watch out for their client's persona online. No one ever sees it. So... She demands that he delete it, and instead, he blocks her on social media and shows her the phone. Give me your phone. No. Give me your phone. No. Give me your phone, or this is it. Okay? No more borrowing money, no more advice, no more anything. Is that what you want? To lose your BBF? To lose your only friend in the entire world? You're mean! You're mean! Okay, that's it, Leah. Look at this. You're blocked. You're blocked from my social media. You go. You go. You get out of here. He also gets violent with her. He shoves her very hard. Calls her, well, he then calls her mean and kicks her out of his apartment. And Leah kind of like screams at him. And like threatens to, uh, threatens to stop lending him money. Stop threat and tells him like she can't be his friend. So you get the idea that like Moose has no money and Leah has been supporting him? Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I'm going to bring this up now. Okay. They never explain why anyone is friends with Moose. Particularly not Leah. Not Leah? And not the guy who works at the uh, the merchandise store. Like, we see them, we see Moose in, act inappropriately around them in a way that hurts their business. Yeah. We also hear both characters say that Moose owes them money. There is nothing to establish why you would bother being friends with this man. And this is, like, I don't want this to come off with, like, ew, Moose is gross. Why would you ever be friends with someone with these problems? Mm -hmm. It's more of, like, if these are real characters... There has to be something redeeming about Moose that would cause him to have friends and cause him to have people who would want to take care of him. But there's nothing redeeming about him. Well, my thought with the guy in the memorabilia store is that, like, Moose is a regular who comes in and talks and he feels bad for him. Because we never see them interact outside the store. True. So, like, he could have been, like, a guy who... Like, he feels bad for. Yeah, I, the, I don't get Leah. The only reason that, it, like, is possibly implied is pity. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, and, like, you don't understand Leah in particular. And how, like, Leah... Leah's whole job in this film is to catalyze everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have a whole thing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> St- get Get excited. And Leah tells her, like, I'm trying to protect you. And this is when Leah's, like, huge moral failing comes in because, like, at this point, your friend has committed a major crime. And your friend has shown in a very short time period that he is escalating at an alarming rate. Yeah. 
Because he is going from bothering him outside of an event, or sneaking into an event he ought to have been in. Mm-hmm. Then he accosts him outside of an event. Then he's seen three days in a row in his neighborhood. And then, like, the stuff he posts on social media. We get a scene now of, like, a montage of Moose's breakdown. Yes. Where he's, like, watching movies that Hunter is in. is like, you're nothing but fake. You're just pretend. And, like, basically, the, the idea here is Moose's favorite thing is now not only gone, but a thing that hurts him. Right. And, like, I, I kind of, uh, I can get on that level. Because there was a time where, like, the WWE was my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And then they started taking money from Saudi Arabia. And I was like, oh, no! Like, part of who I am is that I like this. And now I hate this. Yeah, I, I super get that. Because, like, I love Star Wars. And a lot of the time I end up very disappointed in other people who like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So then it's like, I'm really upset because I'm like, oh my god, this thing I really liked, and now it's just this toxic crap, and ah. Yeah, it's a community I no longer want to be part of. Like, yeah. So I get, like, the pain he feels here. What he does next, I don't agree with. No. So Hunter wakes up tied to his bed. Tied the transitions in this bed. movie are garbage. Tied to his bed. And Moose is laying on the floor next to him. Well, actually... We, we first we get like the chalk drawing of him of uh, moose lying on the floor with like blood coming out of his head yeah so you're like oh he probably killed himself yeah then hunter's tied to his bed and moose is on the floor with blood coming out of his head and hunter screams because like if you're hunter you think what's happened is you are not tied to the bed and this stalker has committed suicide next to you yeah um and then Moose was like, ha, you've been jigsawed. You got jigsawed? Game over. And he like runs out and shuts the door. And he does like a little dance like, I did it. I tricked Hunter. It's a- I tricked Hunter Dunbar. It's a prank, bro. Um, and then Hunter freaks out and he's furious. And then Moose pours water or he pours well, gasoline on him. For, first he leaves and comes back dressed as Jason Voorhees. That's right. And he's he's got a knife and he stabs him, but it's a fake knife. Yeah. <laughs> that I think shoots blood when he stabs him. Yes. And then he's like, ah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Then he goes Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And then like pours uh, something out of a gas can on him. And, and he actually yells, don't burn me, which is the line from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And he's like, it's just water. So, I don't know why he's doing all these, like, horror pranks to him. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the worst episode of Punked ever. And he starts getting upset that uh, Hunter doesn't know these things about horror movies. Because he, in his head, he has built up that, of course, they have everything in common as well. And also, that Moose's whole crux here is that he doesn't... He has no intention of hurting Hunter. So Hunter should know he's not going to hurt him and these are pranks. Yeah. Hunter does not know these are pranks. Yes. So Hunter is behaving as though a man is threatening him in his home. So 
Hunter kind of like apologizes for being mean. He's like, I'm really sorry. Like, let me make it up to you. And Moose like kind of turns on Hunter and is like, why should I be nice to you now? You're just mad. You're just like, there's no reason for me to be nice to you. Yeah. And then we get Leah's voiceover. Moose didn't just cross the line. He fucking nuked it. Honestly, I'd be scared too. Poor Moosey. And at this point, I want to launch Leah into the sun. Because, mm-hmm. oh, this is when he goes into the fridge. And gets the honey. And it's, I don't know if it's or jam. or jam. I'm guessing it's something strawberry. Yeah. Because he loves strawberry milkshakes. Yeah. But the strawberry thing that Hunter has is not sweet. It's not, so it's like wrong to him. Oh, and he doesn't have any sweets in the house. He's, yeah, he doesn't have any ice cream. What's wrong with him? That's that poor kid, he says. Uh, like, I I believe this is again Fred Durst's attempt at symbolism of like, he loves strawberry, but this strawberry's bitter. And it, it's interesting because I turned to you when Hunter was antagonizing Moose and screaming at him. I went, oh, this is, this is, would be so different if this was an, a female actor. Because they'd probably try to get out, like try to get Moose to free them. Mm-hmm. And then like almost as soon as I said that to you, Hunter took ta- the changed his tack. Oh, be- because... Like, it's the, you catch more flies with honey, with something sweet. Yeah. Instead of the bitterness that he was currently tasting from the strawberries. Yeah. And and from Hunter. Hunter turns to be sweet. That is that is the symbolism, according to Fred Durst. So then, like, Hunter bargains to Moose, that, like, I'll sign anything you want forever. Yes. I won't call the police. Because now, like, Moose is realizing that, like, Hunter could call the police. Mm-hmm. Like, it does click to Moose that, like, oh... Hunter would be within his rights to call the cops. Um, and then he's like, oh, I'll do anything you want. And then Hunter says, just don't hurt my kid. Right. And Moose loses it. Yeah, why would you even say that? So then, like, Hunter seduces Moose with anything, with, like, exactly what he wants. Like, we'll go get milkshakes. We'll watch well, We'll watch these movies together. We'll yeah. have... He tells him the actor method of visualizing. Yes. So he gets him to close his eyes and like picture all these things. And he talks about like. Now I want you to imagine you and me. You and me? Yeah, you, you see us? I do. All right. First thing we're going to do is we're going to change these these dirty clothes. We're going to take off this, this sweat and this blood and this, and this gasoline. And we're going to put on some fresh new. Guts. We're gonna look spiffy, Moose. We're gonna look good, and then we're gonna go out on the town. We're gonna go one of those those Hollywood fancy joints. Moose on Franks. Moose on Franks. We're going to Moose on Franks. Wherever you want, man. We'll go wherever you want. I'll call my manager. He'll get us a table wherever you want to go. And when it's all done, we'll get a big bowl of chocolate ice cream. Strawberry, strawberry ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strawberry ice cream, Moose. Of course, of course. And and then the screen. Goes pink, purple. Goes pink and purple. So almost like it's rose-colored glasses. Like in Sharon Tate! Yep. So then, um, Hunter, like, 
goes to shake hands with Moose because Moose is like freed Hunter's hands. He, he unties one hand. Mm-hmm. Hunter unties his other. He's still like got ropes across his chest and his ankles are still tied to the bed. Yeah. And he goes to shake hands with Moose. Yeah. And the moment he does, he headbutts him. Yeah. And I scream, untie your feet first. Well, then we see the gun. Yeah. He grabs a shotgun. Yeah. Which, if you know anything, spread shot. And if you know anything, you don't keep a loaded gun unlocked by your bed. That's true. That's true. And he is, I don't know, less than 10 feet away? Mm-hmm. And Hunter blows his fingers off. Yes. And I was like, why would you do that? Why would you not shoot the man? Why would you shoot at his hand? Also, spread shot. Like, that probably still should have killed him. Yeah. And then he pulls out, like, a knife and freezes legs. Yeah. Like, he had a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, Moose crawls out, and now it's like, oh, the hunter has become the prey, and now Hunter is the hunter. Yes. So Ham-handed. I, I really, I really need to stress this moment. As Moose is crawling away... Hunter kicks him down the stairs. And he falls on the landing, and then Hunter kicks him down the rest of the stairs. <laughs> he has to do it twice. He's like, oh, wait, right, I got one of these zigzag steps. Uh, he then stands over him, mm-hmm. and uh, it should be mentioned before we go any further, that when he's tied to the bed is when Hunter says the line, you're a fan, I'm nothing without you. Oh, yeah. Then It's stupid. And though. Moose makes him say it, like, a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, he stands over, because we, I really want to dissect this scene with you. Okay. Hunter stands over Moose. He takes the shotgun and he fires it right to the left of, uh, Moose. So he like grabs his ear Mm -hmm. and then he goes to the right and shoots right by his head. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is he doing here? And you say. This is sadism. I said he's trying to deafen him. Right. And it's it feels more sadistic. And then he takes the knife and he stabs Moose in the eye. You scream. Yeah, I hate... Ugh. And then out of nowhere after doing all this, Hunter starts to be like, oh my god, I'm killing this man. Yeah, like the adrenaline... like. He stopped, like, he stops to, like, realize what he's doing. So, my thought here was that he was, he couldn't kill him. He wanted to kill him, so that's why he was, like, aiming away and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But that also doesn't make sense. I honestly think the only reason that he shoots and misses Mm -hmm. is so Moose can grab his ear, which is his tick. Ugh. I think this is, again, Fred Durst being like, get it? I kept thinking of The Princess Bride. Well, like, this, oh, is this is to the pain? I was like, this is modern day to the pain. Because, like, I don't think it makes... Except your ears you keep, so it's not to the pain. It doesn't make sense with all the establishment that they did in the beginning that Hunter is, in fact, a good man. Yeah. For him all of a sudden being like, I'm going to torture the hell out of you. And then, like, Moose... Is crying and screaming, and Hunter, like, drops the knife and sits down, like, in horror. Like, I can't believe I just did this. Yeah. 
And so then Hunter like hauls him up and bandages his hand. Yeah, gives him like a rag and then just sends him on his way and then sits on the ground. He doesn't call the police. He doesn't call an ambulance. Like there's just blood in his living room. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, that's something. So like the next thing we see is Moose shuffle brokenly down Sunset Boulevard, disfigured and sniveling and like yes. bleeding copiously. And, and two young tourists who are established to be Spanish speaking. Yes. Like come up and ask for a selfie thinking Moose is like a performer in like a gore makeup effect. Mm-hmm. My guess is the point of this is for the first time, Moose feels what it's like to be Hunter. Yeah. He is at his lowest point and fans are trying to get something from it. Yeah. So to me, this is Fred Durst and John Travolta being like, oh, I'd love to give these fans a taste of their own medicine. Which feels real gross. It just doesn't seem right. Like, I don't think you justified your point in this film. And then like... Leah drives by at that exact moment. Happens to be driving by. Sees Moose and, like, freaks out and, like, goes to get him. And, like, she's like, we're going to get you to a doctor. We're going to help you. And kind of, like, gathers him up to help him. And she's like, I'm not worried about Moose. I'm worried about Dora. And we see the cops have come and the gardener is standing there. Yes. And Hunter answers the door covered in blood. And we see him being put into a police car for Dora's murder. Yes. There's like 30 plot holes here. One, Leah in the voiceover. Moose doesn't know Dora's name. So how would Leah know Dora's name? Ooh, definitely didn't click that one. That's a very interesting point. Um, Two, time has gone by. Like. Not, not, yeah, I don't know how much time, but there's definitely a moment where I turned to you and was like, did they ever find the maid? At least a day or two has gone by. So like, if Hunter murdered Dora... Would he be dumb enough to leave her in the backyard? Yeah, very true. Um, Just laying in the backyard? Like, not even, like, badly buried or in a tarp, just Mm -hmm. in the backyard laying there? Not not to mention the fact that his house is full of moose's blood, gunshot holes, and all that rope attached to his bed. Yeah. (laughs) And that Dora would have... No stab wounds and no... No gunshot wounds. No gunshot wounds. So, and like, Leah's voiceover is amused by this outcome and says like, oh, and as for Moose, he's unbreakable. Eventually he wore it as a badge of honor. And the last thing we see is a chalk drawing of Moose as a pirate. Yeah. With a little hook hand and an eye patch. And Leah as an angel. Angel. Mm -hmm. And then my last note for this movie is hate... Yeah. Because I was so disgusted by this ending. I am so angry by this. Because, so... like, what you would see... One, this is obviously one of those, like, end, a weird dumb ending. Because, like, Moose is gonna go to jail in yeah. this. Because Hunter would have to tell them why he's covered in blood. You'd yeah. have to get, like, information. I'd say Hunter's kid would be a witness in this situation. The shopkeep would be a witness. Exactly. Leah should be going to jail as an accessory. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm, I'm going to, like, I want to really discuss a lot of things about this. But I'm going to, like, tease this now. I can fix this movie. Oh, yeah. And, like, because I know that I usually do a bit at the end where I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if it was a Final Destination movie? I legitimately can fix that movie in maybe two scenes. Okay. So get get ready for that. But first, let's talk about how freaking awful this is. Yes. Like, this is stomach-turning, like, horrible. Because there's this, the plot of this is people legitimately trying to help an autistic person. Him using that skill to then do some of the most horrible things imaginable. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of that lesson of like, yo, be careful what you say to an autistic person. Yeah. And like villainizing of autism almost as if like they don't know better. So just don't interact with them. And John Travolta, um, there's a very famous line in the 2008 comedy classic Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh-huh. John Travolta violates what Robert Downey Jr. tells us to do. Yes. Or tells us not to do. It's a line I'm no longer comfortable saying. Yeah, it's, but... a, it's got a slur in it, but you all know what I'm saying. Um, I think what... This is John Travolta's Simple Jack. Yeah. Simple Jack is a parody of movies with, like, inspirationally disabled people. Yeah. And he is kind of doing that, like, a neurotypical actor playing a developmentally disabled person. Mm-hmm. And John Travolta's just playing it straight. Yeah. He is just committing to this. And, like, I'm glad you told me. Because one of the first questions I asked was, like, is are we supposed to understand that he is autistic? Because he's clearly autistic. But I was afraid that they were going to do, like, the Sheldon thing. Mm-hmm. Where, where Fred Durst was going to be like, nah, he's just a weirdo. Like, one of those weird fans I have to deal with. And for him to be, like, completely oblivious of, like, the spectrum at all. Yeah. But, like, this to me is two people, Fred Durst and John Travolta, who have had issues with fans. Yeah. And, like, not wanting to be fans. Kind of being like, this is what you people do to me. Yeah. And, like... There, but there's also some mo- moments where we're like, are we supposed to sympathize with uh, John Travolta's character? Are we supposed to sympathize with mo- Moose? Because, like, they do establish that he has morals, but they also don't establish anything about him being likable. Yeah. So, like, where are we supposed to be on this? I got some... I got some, uh... Got some news? Got yeah. some got some trivia? This is based on true events. No. Uh Moose is based on a real person. Uh is it the wrestler Moose? It doesn't say. This Moose. is like an email with Devin an email. An interview with Devin Sawa where he says this. And he's like, obviously, if the guy that Moose is based on was as crazy as he was in the film, he wouldn't have been there. Uh this guy back in the Limp Biscuit days just crossed a couple lines. And Fred just thought, what if he went all the way with this? And that's how the fanatic started. So you're 100% right. Fred Durst had bad experiences with fans and then wrote a thriller about a bad fan. And you know what? You could make a decent horror movie about this. You could totally, like, I think if we didn't follow Moose and it was like this celebrity in his home dealing with a home invasion, Mm kind of like... Was that The Others or... No, what is that movie? Where, where like... Panic Room? 
Not panic room. Like, where, where they show up with the masks. Not the purge. Strangers. The strangers. Kind of like the strangers, where all these people are, like, coming into this celebrity's home. And at the end, it's revealed, like, oh, we're just fans. We thought you'd like this. Like, that would be a decent horror movie. Yeah. But, like, I don't even know what genre this movie is. Yeah. Because there's, like, weird jokes in it. Yeah. And then it gets, like, really violent. And then, like, it's kind of like a weird social dynamic. I have no idea what this movie is. And, like, there are other movies about fandom. Right. Who are about, like, deranged fans. Um, You know, there's the Robert De Niro movie. The Fan, I remember, yeah. Yeah, and then there was, like, an early 80s slasher movie also called The Fan. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to get real technical with it, Phantom of the Opera is essentially a movie about a fan that goes crazy. Or a story about a fan who loses it. Because he's a fan of Christine, the singer. And in every iteration, it becomes his fandom of Christine that ultimately drives him over the edge. Also, isn't this sort of what the movie Fanboys is about? I don't... Isn't the movie Fanboys about a bunch of fanboys breaking onto Skywalker Ranch to try to convince uh, George Lucas of something? Yeah, to show their friend who has cancer... Phantom Menace. Yeah, so like... But that one's played for comedy. And that's a comedy. <laughs> like, it's just weird that I can't figure out what this film is. Yeah, and like, Fanboys kind of has the thing of, these are people who are doing a crazy thing for a compassionate reason. Yeah. They're trying to do a crazy thing to do right by their friend. Mm-hmm. This is just like, ugh. It's insulting to people with autism, because it's kind it's of like... so insulting. It's kind of like, hey... Um, you clearly can't be trusted with information, you can't be trusted to behave properly, and you live in a little cave. Yeah. Like, that's awful. It's so bad. It is so bad. Oh my god. Uh, so, I, this is how I think I can fix this. Okay. Because, like, I've been thinking about this a lot, and just, and like, like I said, I'm not going to change much, and I really think this would fix this movie. Yeah. One, the weird chalk things. The weird chalk drawings and stuff like that. Yes. Those should be established as something that Moose can draw. Yeah, that like Moose is an artist. Like he has that talent. It would also give you like where Moose is getting money and how Moose is able to like somewhat support himself but not really. Yeah, and like you could even do a thing where like the reason he does the performance art thing is he wants to be part of Hollywood. Yeah. Because he says stuff like, they don't respect Hollywood like I do. So the idea that he has this talent that he doesn't use to its full extent because he wants Hollywood, Mm -hmm. like, would make sense. And it would make sense at the end that he draws, uh, what's her name, Leela? Leah as an angel. Leah as an angel that's, like, protecting him at, at the end. Because it's his drawing. Instead of just us as the audience being like, why is this happening? Yeah, like, you could have made his job on the Sunset Boulevard a caricature artist. Yes! This is the big thing. We see this movie through whose point of view? Leah's. Leah's. Not Moose's. Mm -hmm. The end of this movie should have been Leah on a talk show selling the book about this event. Yeah, yeah. And there could you include a little thing about the reason she's friends with Moose is Moose knows where celebrities are. And she is a fucking scumbag paparazzi. So 
the fact that she's the one telling the story, all of it's lies. It's to sell the book. So that's why Moose is crazy, but also compassionate. This is why Hunter's a madman trying to murder somebody, but then all of a sudden is compassionate. Because she wants to make everyone look crazy, but also beloved, because she's selling a book. Yeah, I, I genuinely thought that they needed to have... Why is Leah the narrator? You can't just have a narrator. Yeah. There has to be a reason. And like, just in that one simple moment of having her just be like, and that's the story. If you want more, buy this book. And she's on a talk show. You can be like, oh. On a talk show or on the stand? No, not on the, on the stand. It's 100% has to be her selling something. Mm-hmm. Because then the message is, you will never know the real story of what happens between fans and celebrities. You only get the story through the media and through paparazzi. Yeah. So in that one moment, the rest of the movie, you can be like, oh, everything that doesn't make sense doesn't make sense on purpose because it's bullshit, because it's a paparazzi spin. And you could have done like something where you could have had Todd and his other uh, lackey mirroring in a weird way what Leah uses Moose for. Like maybe Leah kind of uses Moose to make celebrities uncomfortable to get celebrities to look bad Mm -hmm. so that then Leah can photograph like celebrity meltdown. Yeah. And like, you just like that Moose is inadvertently part of Leah's grift. Yeah. There you, that would be beautiful. And then like you have a moment where she's on that screen and Todd and his friend Mm -hmm. are watching it together as friends shrugging Mm -hmm. and he's dressed as like a classic magician. And it's just like, she fucking turned us into con artists. Oh, yeah, like... It, like, um, just a little t- moment like that. Not... it. I don't think it makes this movie, like, a masterpiece or anything. But it gives an excuse for every flaw this movie has. Yeah. Ugh. God, I hate this movie. This movie was bad. Verdict time. Laura, go first. Stay doomed. I, I think the just on the depiction of a man with autism alone, this movie is irredeemable. This movie is just exploitative. Mm-hmm. This movie is offensive. Yeah. Um, it's somehow, a, it's like a little less offensive than Sharon Tate. But like, on a scale of one to ten, still eight or nine. I, I I think this was far more offensive than Sharon Tate. I'm sorry to the it, it's oh I'm so upset by this film. To me, you know what? Now that I rem- now that I remembered that Moose was based on a real person, it went back to being more offensive than yeah, Sharon Tate. It, like, there's so much in this that is just because my first thought was, oh, at least this wasn't a real event like Sharon Tate, like. But no, Moose was based on somebody, so yeah, this is more offensive. Because what, like, the the way I fixed it, the main thing was for me to be like, this now has a message that yeah. I can live with. Every message that this movie puts across is horrible. To me, if you take a movie like... The Room is a disaster. Oh, yeah. The Fanatic is a tragedy. Okay. Like... This is a movie that I think everyone should see because it is a masterclass of how not to make movies. But it's not charming like The Room. 
Everything in the fanatic is horrible. I, I read a really great article about the room, uh, about irony and sincerity. Mm-hmm. And how one of the reasons people can kind of defend and connect with the room is because it was Tommy Wiseau's passion project. There's sincerity. There's a glossy cynicism to the fanatic. Yeah. The, the room will leave you thinking like, how did he think this was good? The fanatic let me thinking like, how did people let this happen? I not only will I say the fanatic is should be a stay doomed. I think it's the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and you know what's weird? Uh, until when we watched it, the Sh- the haunting of Sharon Tate was the worst movie I'd ever seen. This has been a bumper damn year for bad films. The, this is horrible. Yeah, like man, Cats looks great now. Yeah. I had fun watching Cats. Yeah. Like, th- there are movies that are, are so bad that they become comedies. This is so bad it becomes a tragedy. I miss Cats. Like, th- this, yeah, this is easily my pick for the the Razzie's worst film. The, there is so much horrible about it. And, like, it is a thing that I think... Other people should see. Like, I really want more people to see this movie so they can have conversations with me about it. I mean, it made $3,100 opening weekend. $3,100? At the box office opening weekend on an $8 million budget. $3,100? Like, yes. Like, like $3,100? Yes. Like, we can work out pretty easily how many people that is. Uh, that would be roughly 315 people. Oh my Assuming God. an average movie ticket's about $10. Which it's not. It's more expensive than that these days. Well, if you, you know, matinees and stuff. Well, I'm sure a few people saw it in RPX and in 3D. It didn't run in RPX or 3D. <laughs> you know that. Le- oh. It's, it's unbelievable that this movie exists. It's bad. It's real bad. <sighs> so... What do you want to watch next week? We only got one left, right? It's Rambo Last Blood. Ah, oh, so uh, if... Save the best for Last Blood. For Last Blood. Uh, if you have a, if someone out there has a suggestion for something for us to watch or have already seen Last Blood and want to weigh in on it, where can people reach us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you've seen this movie and you want to talk to me about it, I'm at TV's Noah. If there really is a book on how to write a bad movie, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.